0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. The number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Today's conversation, someone who we've emailed in the past, we've talked through text message in the past, but I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about his path as not only a high school coach, but also his path with USA Basketball, which I find fascinating. The Director of Coach Development for USA
0: Basketball, Coach Don Showalter. Coach, how is life for you these days? Well, uh, it's it's been it's been good because we haven't been going anywhere. We we've just been uh, working and working at home. Our office is closed in Colorado Springs, and uh, just been working on some projects since uh, early last March. And I tell everybody that you know I didn't know, I didn't know what Zoom was uh, last March, and now uh, after about uh, 500 Zooms later, I uh, I'm pretty good at it. So. Uh, So life is good. Uh, We just hope to get back to uh, relatively normal here coming into 2021. I'm right there with you. I had no idea what Zoom was uh,
1: until, unfortunately, the coronavirus pandemic uh, happened. And I started uh, kind of upping my podcast uh, work with Scorebook Live and and figured, hey, it's been a good platform. It's a (laughs) chance for for basketball people like ourselves to, to either connect for the first time or reconnect. But your role with USA Basketball has to be unique because you are the director. You're in touch with coaches and players across the country at
0: the youth level. What does your position entail? Well, that's a good question. Uh, You know, I coached high school basketball for 42 years in Iowa and uh, uh, up until 2016. I I also coached – our Hoop Summit with USA Basketball. Really, that's how I got my start, uh, coaching the Hoop Summit game, which is our, which is really our top seniors against uh, international competition from around the world. And that was in uh, uh, 1998. And, uh, we, you know, we, the, the, I guess the, the, the fame to that was that we played against uh, a guy by the name of floppy-haired German kid by the name of Dirk Nowitzki. Who at that time, you know, he was only 19 years old. Nobody heard about him. Uh, he was uh, a skinny kid, and and uh, uh, that was his coming out party because I think we held him to 35 points and 25 rebounds, and that was his uh, coming out party. So that was my first experience with USA basketball. Uh, you know, I just got to know people, and and they had asked me to to uh, to coach that team, and then and then I uh, went went with USA basketball. I, they asked me to be on some committees and, uh, to help pick players for their, uh, for their Olympic festivals, which are, uh, we bring in top 40 players, uh, from around, the, around the country and have a North, South, East, West type of Olympic format. And, uh, we did that for a number of years. We had, you know, we had everybody in uh, on those. We had LeBron James when he was before his junior year in high school, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, uh, Harden, Harden, uh, Jason Kidd, all those guys were with us during those festivals. So that was a pretty neat thing. And then in 2000 and, uh, 2009, FIBA started the U16 international competition, which is a, which is a U16 and U17. So one year it's a qualification for North and South America as a U16 player and then a U17 player is a world competition in the five zones. So I was asked to coach that team in 2009 and uh, did that through 2018. And we're, we were fortunate enough to win 10 gold medals with those those players. And we really had everybody uh, that's, I mean, all the good players in the NBA uh, played with us, the young guys. Uh, our first team is Brad Beal, Andre Drummond, uh, Quinn Cook. You know, we've had Jason Tatum coming up through the ranks, uh, uh, Colin Sexton, uh, just finished with Jalen Green in 2018. So uh, I think in this year's draft, we had 16. I had 16 out of, the, out of the 30 in the first round that had played on those two teams. So we're we're, we're obviously really fortunate to get the players that were really good. And then uh, then I uh, went full-time with USA Basketball and now I'm Director of Coach Development, which helps uh, – we put on clinics, we put on uh, – uh, youth camps throughout the country, and then I also help in the selection of players and coaches for our for our uh, junior national teams now. So that's kind of it in a nutshell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lots of responsibility, but I'm sure for a basketball guy, you you love the ability to see kids from a young age develop as players and as men, and then hopefully, if they continue to evolve, maybe have a chance to represent the senior national team. Was there one or two high school players that you coached or were involved with early in their career that you just shook your head and say, that guy separated themselves, whether it was their their character or the way they played on the court?
0: Well, I think every year you have a player or two, you know, they might not get to elite level. Uh, If you're just a regular high school coach around the country and you're listening to this, you know, you have players that, that surprise you Probably both ways uh, that you think are going to be uh, maybe not quite as good that really develop into what what you had hoped they would or even better, and then you have players who maybe don't develop that way, so as just a regular high school coach in Iowa for forty two years, I think every year I've had some a player that has uh, really developed and and maybe gone on to play division three division two uh, Division one basketball that you never thought would and uh, and then and then of course coaching uh, USA basketball kids U16, U17. You know, there's all kinds of players that are at elite level, uh, and most of them are going to play in the NBA at some at some level, some point for a, a number of years. And, and uh, some of the guys that uh, you think are are no brainers uh, don't quite get to where you think they would, and other guys, um, you know, who you think uh, well, just for instance, uh, one of the guys that just got drafted is Isaac Okoro. And Isaac didn't even make our team as a U-16 player. And he was a number five draft pick, uh, made it as a U-17 player, and just showed a lot of resiliency. And those kind of kids are the ones that really, uh, you know, you really take a look at and say, wow, they really made the most of the not only their abilities, but their opportunities. I want to go back
1: to your time uh, coaching that 98 Hoop Summit game. I I had the chance to be teammates with Dirk Nowitzki for a very short stint before I got traded from Dallas. And and his work ethic, his skill, his understanding of the game were off the charts. But when you look at coaching against the European team then versus being around the Hoop Summit now, how has the American game really influenced the European game
0: as far as how the youngsters are? Well, that's a great question uh, because I, I think, you know, obviously when back, back when I coached in the hoop summit and and you know that there's at that time it was really difficult. I mean, there wasn't a lot of scouting going on international wise, you know, Dirk came over really under the radar with not really knowing nobody knew about it. And after that game, of course, he, he, his, his platform went crazy and he got drafted by Dallas and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I, I, think that uh, international players uh, certainly have, you know, mixed in well with, with what the USA players have done. And I, I think we see this a lot in high school. I go watch a lot of high school players now, teams and elite programs, you know, like Mont uh, Montverde in Florida or, or uh Lalamere or a, Oak Hill and and they always have international players on their teams so so the international players are getting the flavor of what USA basketball is like uh, but also goes the other way too I think USA players are are certainly learning a lot from the international players in just how uh, you know how how they develop their skills um as well so I think it kind of goes really both both directions and and I say that you know uh I always say if, if we would have – if we'd play – let's say we'd play uh, France. Uh, we played – them, we beat them in a gold medal game. And they had three NBA players on their team. So if we put our top five against their top five and don't sub in, uh, in a game, we wouldn't win ten games. We'd probably win seven out of ten or whatever. But when we bring our next seven in, we're so much better than their next seven. So we have to use our bench, and we—that's how we play with up, up tempo. So I think that really goes a long way toward what you know benefits our players in the United States. Is that we just have so many more elite players than most countries have that we play against, and uh, if that makes sense. So I think that's that's really how we end up playing. And I, I learned a lot of that from Coach K, who started you know, we had kind of reformat our Olympic team back in 2008. And, uh, you know, he, he was one who really addressed that issue of of getting into the other team's bench, because our bench was so much better. And how do we do that? We do with pressing and running and, and playing full court pressure defense type of things. That's a
1: great way to put it. And I love how, you know, Coach K is the senior national coach kind of you know, shares his knowledge and experience to to trickle down all the way through USA Basketball because the depth, I now that I hear it, you describe it that way, I can agree with it and I can picture that now um, in, in how you would want to play. When you go to select these teams, and obviously you're very well connected, but how difficult is it to put these teams together? Because I'm sure with the network of coaches that you have, you're getting pulled in a number of different ways when they want their guy on the team, or if maybe there's a college, um, who who you've got a relationship with a head coach, they want their recruits on the team. How do you stay as neutral as possible making those decisions?
0: Yeah. You know, another great question because when we first started this in 2009, really the young players had no clue what USA basketball was, you know, Brad Beal and Andre Drummond and, and Quinn Cook and, and, uh, and Michael Gilchrist. And, you know, those guys really didn't have any really knowledge of what USA basketball was. So uh, it was, it was, it was probably uh, a little bit easier to try and maybe convince them uh, that, Hey, this is something that would be good for your career, which it obviously was. It'd be good for you to get on on an international stage, which it was. Um, But then now as we gain momentum, 10, 11 years later, we have everybody that wants to be a part of USA basketball. So I I think that's really a good thing. Uh, You know, our kids – just a side note here. You know, our kids really – compared to international players, we we don't play for our country. We don't really know how it is to play for our country, Uh, as you know, because you played for USA basketball too. So our kids are used to playing, you know, for their high school or for their AU team uh, for a state championship, maybe, or an AU championship. But when it comes to that, uh, that really international level, uh, we don't have the, we didn't have what we call the, the pride of playing for your country like other teams do. You know, we look across at Spain and France and Argentina, you know, Brazil and, and teams we play against consistently, and, and we look at how they, 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 certainly want to play very badly for their for their national teams well we didn't have that to start with and now I think we've we've gotten momentum toward that where now players you know they're begging to play for USA basketball because they see that as a big stage and and the thing that we do I think the couple things that we really stress are you know obviously number one we this is not an all-star competition you know we don't put 12 all-stars together like a McDonald's game or a Jordan game you know, we have to put a team together. And so when we put a team together, you know, the, the nine, we always say the the nine, 10, 11, 12 guys, you know, you're, you may not, you may not play a lot of minutes, but you're still a part of the team. Now, can you handle that? Because these are guys who, you know, who have uh, on their high school teams or AU teams, they're, they're the guy. And now we're asking them to take a little different role. (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. So I think, that's, I think that's done two things. First of all, I think that's really helped them down the road in the NBA because they certainly have to understand, you know, they're not the guy in the NBA like they were in, in college or in high school. So I think it's done a lot for them, too, to kind of develop their roles and how they play. Uh, the other thing is we, we go – there's two of us. Uh, Samson Coyote is our uh, assistant Uh, national team director, but he and I will go look at every player that we think can be a a benefit to to our team. You know, I I might talk to you and you say, Hey, there's this really good kid I see. And he may be really good in your region, but nationally, you know, he's just okay. And so we, we have to go see them play um, whether it's on the circuit in the spring or with our high school teams to really get a good, good view of them, and then we make the determination if they're good enough, you know, skill-wise, are they smart, are they resilient, you know, are they versatile? Versatile is a big thing with international basketball, as you know. You have to play more in one position, or um, and, and unfortunately some of the kids we brought in uh, that can't play more in one position, or I should say won't play more than one position, kind of lock themselves out of a, out of a spot. So that's kind of it in a nutshell of, about how we go about, uh, making sure. And then, and we look at a lot of things uh, to add to that. You know, we say you got to be skilled, you got to be smart, versatile, uh, resilient, tough. Uh, and then we look at things like uh, how, are, how are players uh, that take really in the attributes to take no talent? You know, are, are they great, great body language? Are they good teammates? Uh, you know, are they on time? What's their attitude like when the coach is talking to them during a timeout, uh, you know, those are all things that really come into play once we've identified the players who we think are elite enough. That's really insightful in, in how you
1: talk about putting a team together and sharing with them and developing pride in playing for your country. Because I would agree that's something that, um, you know, unfortunately in this day and age when AAU was so quote-unquote, important to people. They don't value the team aspect of winning or playing for a purpose. And for this case, it's the purpose of representing your country. Now, you've got a couple of coaches that are are good friends of mine. Marshall Cho and Harvey Katani. are two coaches that are are very well um, entrenched in USA basketball. And how does a young coach – that is passionate about the game go about one learning the philosophies of USA basketball, or if they're good enough to maybe become involved
0: with USA basketball, if there is an opportunity. Yeah. As you can imagine, I get those questions uh, on a daily basis. (laughs) Yeah. So so it's, so it's good to to answer this on a, on a podcast type thing. Uh, First of all, uh, coach Katani and, and, uh, Uh, Coach Cho are two of my best friends and they're great influencers for young people and, and uh, they're great coaches as well. So uh, I really have a lot of respect for what they do uh, with, you know, with, with their coaching opportunities. But, you know, I always tell a young coach, I said, first of all, you know, I, I think sometimes young coaches spend so much energy trying to get to where they want, they think they want to get to. You know, maybe it's they go from a um, I don't know junior high coach to a to a high school coach or a assistant coach to a to a head coach, and they spend so much energy trying to get to their next level, whether it be like I said college, maybe maybe college level, whatever. That they really don't do a good job of where they're at. And I say the first thing you have to do is do a great job of where you're at. You know, if you if you're not if if you're a coaching youth program and you don't do a good job coaching that youth program. Uh, you know, you're probably not going to get opportunities to coach at another level. So I think that's the number one thing. So make sure your energy level is based on coaching great at where you are. Uh, secondly, we offer a lot of of programs and, and, you know, uh, uh, um, and I'll certainly give out my email address, but you know, we have, we have what we call gold camps around the country where we have, uh, seventh, eighth, and ninth graders that we invite in. It's invitation-only camps that we hire, that we actually have a lot of volunteer coaches that work that. And that's a good way for us, for me personally, to watch somebody work a camp and, and see how what kind of, uh, you know, how they work the camp and how, what, what they do as far as uh, skill development and how they relate to players and those kind of things. So it gives me an opportunity to kind of, you know, evaluate them as well. But uh, those are camps that are really good to work as a kind of a first step into our uh, national program. And then secondly, you know, we have a lot of, uh, we, we, we have uh, about six or seven coaching academies uh, during the year that just are just for information in-person coaching academies that, that coaches come to and gives me a chance to meet a lot of the coaches in that way too. So uh, I would encourage coaches First of all, do a great job where you're at, get involved with our, with our youth camps, come to our academies. Those are all great ways to become involved with USA Basketball.
1: You're obviously, you got your start as a tremendous high school coach in the state of Iowa. Uh, I looked it up multiple times you were uh, state coach of the year, but from talking to other people that have, have been around you in USA Basketball and other settings, they said maybe your most exciting project that's still going on to this day is Snow Valley basketball camps. And the reason why would be the emphasis that you put on fundamentals and the development of a base for a player that can kind of be expanded upon throughout the course of the year. If you don't have that base, you're only limiting your own ceiling. Tell us a little bit more about Snow Valley and how it's
0: become such a, a strong fundamental
1: basketball camp.
0: Yeah, well, actually, Snow Valley started uh, over 50 years ago uh, by a guy named Herb Livesey, uh, who was coaching in, in California. He actually he actually bought the franchise from Bob Cousy, and Bob yeah. Cousy, uh, yeah, years ago, who was you know obviously a Boston Celtics guy, and and, and Herb had worked his camps, and and uh, Bob said, hey, if you want to if you want to buy um, the camp, why well, uh, feel free to him. And so her bought it, moved it to California, and, and the, the first camps were in the Snow Valley Mountains of San Bernardino. That's how it's got its name. So I worked, uh, I, I worked two camps a lot through my years. And, and, again, young coaches need to work, work basketball camps. I mean, if you're going to get your name out there and you want to learn basketball, you've got to work some basketball camps. So the two camps I worked, uh, I worked John Wooden's camps at UCLA for uh, over 20 years and really got to be, uh, you know, I, I, I can say it, uh, that I was a really close friend with Coach Wood and spent some time with him. Uh, and then Snow Valley Basketball School. So we actually purchased another another coach and I who worked it, purchased a franchise, uh, and, and moved it to Iowa about 26, 27 years ago. And and it's a all-skill development camp. Uh, that we have about 1,600 kids that we run through, four different uh, week sessions. Uh, we spend... Uh, from 6 a.m. in the morning to 10 o'clock at night, uh, we play one game a day because I think kids play way too many games. You know, uh, the the games don't mean anything after a while. You go – you play an AU game or you play – so I think it really – to me it takes the competitive nature out of players when they keep playing game after game after game, three or four games in a day, because it, it doesn't mean anything. Oh, an hour later we'll play another game. So what difference does it make? So we spend the whole day on skill development, play one game a day at night, but when it's competitive, we bring in about, uh, we have a great coach player ratio of seven to one, seven kids, no more than seven on a team. Uh, so we hire about, you know, 70, 80 coaches per, per session. Um, and we think that's been a real plus to our Snow Valley basketball school.
1: That's fascinating. I had no idea that, that that's how it got started. And uh, Coach Herb Lipsey. And uh, Hit Livesey and Tate's Lock are two guys that when I was a college uh, player at Gonzaga, I had the chance to work uh, the Nike All-American camp as a counselor. And they would run the skill development for us right. at some point. And Coach Livesey would do the box drills every single day. And that's become a staple of workouts <laughs> I my, my 14-year-old son through. Uh Is that a staple of the Snow Valley basketball camp, the box drills, where it's front pivot, reverse pivot?
0: and kind of build things out? Oh man, i tell you what, uh, Dan, and I probably worked at uh, Nike all American camp that you were at uh, during those years. But yeah, uh, Tate's, Tate's actually Tate's lock still works our camp. He comes every year and works, uh, works two or three sessions of it. And the box drills is the, you know, that's the one thing that we hang our hat on. Uh, and every player goes through it. We started on day one and we, uh, you know, we'll do bits and pieces of it uh, every day. And, uh, those you know those are the footwork you talk about those footwork things and and, uh, and like i said dan you the nice thing is you've played the game so you, you really understand uh, at a high level so you and, and playing for gonzaga too you know footwork is really the basis for your other skills you know if you're going to become a good shooter a good passer you know a good rebounder it's the footwork that is the basis uh, for what you do with those other skills so if you really want to advance Skill level-wise, you have to advance your footwork. And, and we spend a lot of time on just basic footwork drills, pivoting, jump stopping, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and then we put it implemented into, uh, into competition. Absolutely. I think footwork is overlooked by way
1: too many players, coaches, parents think it's uh, something just to be bypassed. But you're right. It should be the foundational piece uh, of each part of your game. Last question, coach, with the freshman class in this year's college basketball season getting off to such a tremendous start with us being about a week or so in, you've seen a lot of those high-level freshmen up close and in person. Does it surprise you with the success of any of those guys?
0: It's going to be, I'll tell you what, the the freshman class this year, I think uh, we, we, we probably, I looked at some of the mock drafts for next year and they're, and we've had, I think we've had the top 15 or 16 players that will be in the top draft pick next year know, in, in our for our teams. You know, one guy you're you're probably familiar with, Jalen Suggs, uh, who was who was absolutely one of my all-time favorite players. And uh, he and I still very uh, you know we talk uh, a lot about uh, just different things, but he, he is such a competitive competitor. And uh, obviously, the last first two games he played for Gonzaga were were really high level for him, but, you know, Cade Cunningham, all those guys that are in that mix um, doesn't surprise me. We, you know, we've had all of them for training camps. We've had all of them for basically uh, four weeks or five weeks for two summers in a row. So we get to know them pretty well, and it doesn't surprise me that this class is going to be one of those that are going to be an outstanding uh, freshman class in college, but also an outstanding uh, NBA players. Coach, I appreciate the
1: time, the stories, the insight. I hope you enjoy the rest of this college basketball season. And fingers crossed, uh, USA basketball at the junior youth level as well as the senior level can kind of get on with things once we get to this summer because uh, the Olympics is a special time. Hopefully they can play it and hopefully you your teams can play in the international events as well.
0: Yeah, Dan, we hope, you know, we certainly hope that happens and uh... – I, I got all I got all kinds of stories, so I'll come back on and give you give you story after story, Dan, if if, uh, if your listeners want to. But I appreciate being on with you. I know you've had a great career, success wise, with in the game of basketball, and now are taking that really to a an, to another level uh, with everything you're doing. So I really appreciate that.
1: Well, thanks again, and yes, I would like to have you on again at some point, hear some more stories, <laughs> and uh, you know, talk about the USA basketball experience. So. Thanks again for joining. Take care and stay healthy. Thanks, Dan. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals.